Uh, as Les said last, uh, if you hadn't been on the camp, uh, it was a fantastic time. It was so good that half the people that were there last week aren't here today. Uh, we must have just worn them out. As we're going through the photos, thinking, oh, that family's not here, oh, that family's not here, oh, that family's not here. Uh, but it's great that we can gather together, isn't it? And when we're at the camp, we were thinking about uh, how do we raise our spiritual temperature? We were talking about and thinking about where we're at with God. And we thought about on a thermometer, where are we at? Are we at the top hot? Are we in the middle mild? Or are we at the bottom cold? Or are we somewhere in between? And so as Les said, uh, or Ben mentioned that what we did was we actually put that into a picture or into a craft or Play-Doh or a number of different things just to be thinking through where we're at with God at the moment. Uh, Sometimes we do feel really close and hot for God. Sometimes we don't feel so close. Sometimes we're trying to find out about him. Sometimes we're a bit all over the place, aren't we, when it comes to our relationship with God. Uh, Jesus says to us in Revelation, he says he wants us to be hot for him, on fire for him. He wants us to be not lukewarm or not cold, but to be hot. So how do we do that? How do we be in a situation where we can raise the temperature? of our relationship with God, our spiritual, where we're at with Him. And we just hinted at that last week at the camp, but what we're going to do over the next four weeks is really think through that. And so if you're here this morning and you're just checking out what this God thinks about, well, really good if you hang in for the next four weeks. Uh, if you've been a, a Christian just for a couple of years and you think, yeah, I was really excited to start with, but now I'm just feeling a little bit, hang in for the next four weeks. Uh, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're just up and down all over the place. Hang in for the next four weeks. Uh, we want to encourage you because we think that there are four things that will be really helpful for us in that. It's not that I'm going to give you a special little prayer that you can play 15 times a day and suddenly bang. Uh, we're not going to get you out the front and hit you in the head and lay you flat and somehow you're going to have this amazing thing that's just going to turn on the lights for you. Uh, it's not going to be so much that you're going to have this one-off experience because that's not the way God works most of the time, does he? And every now and then we can have a situation like that, but we went in for the long haul and God's in for the long haul and he's actually put in place things that will help you for the long haul. Some very simple things. We're going to look at four things over the next four weeks. And the first one is we're going to be looking at reading the Bible. God's Word. Uh, next week we're going to be looking at worship. Uh, the week after that we're going to be looking at actually just gathering together. And the week after that, we're going to be looking at being on mission together. Because they're the four things that God continually talks about in his word, about getting close and being on fire for him. So we're going to be talking about that. So we're going to think about that this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, reading the Bible. And uh, Karen's going to come up and read two parts of the Bible for us. Uh, one from 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3, and one from Psalm 19. That'll go on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, really happy if you'd open up and look with us or follow along with Karen on the screen as well. Thanks. 2 Timothy, uh, 3, 16, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 1-17, Godlessness in the Last Days. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, 
slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Jans and Jams opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. Men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith, faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of these, those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Paul's charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And from Psalms. Psalm 19 starting at verse 7 to 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteousness. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Thanks, Karen. Two great readings, and we're going to come back and look at those uh, a little bit later on. Uh, this morning and uh, think through them and you'll notice that both of them talk about either the words of the Lord or the Lord uh, and what he is saying to us. I'm going to think through that a little bit later. Uh, but one of the things we want to think about is why do we think the Bible is important? Why do we think uh, reading it is important? What is so important about the Bible? Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago we had uh, when I came back after holidays and we talked about my holiday, which was nice, uh, but we talked about what uh, God was doing throughout Europe and what he was doing 500 years ago at the time of the Reformation, uh, the time of the guy by the name of Martin Luther, uh, uh, when he uh, nailed onto a door at Wittenberg 95 things that he saw that needed to change and that were true and needed to be changed in the Catholic Church. 
And in one sense, it's like the start of uh, a big turnaround in the world to coming back to the truth of the gospel, coming back to the truth of who Jesus is, coming back to the truth of the Bible. Because you see, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think we're really very blasé about the Bible, aren't we? Because we have it. It's easy. Here they are. There's a couple of ones here. There's another one here in front of you. There's heaps of them all around you. Uh, maybe if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, you might have multitudes of them in your bookshelves. They're there, aren't they? They're easy. We can grab them. We can have hold of them. And we can literally open them up and read them. We can read the Bible. But it hasn't always been the case. For many, many years, and even still today to a degree in some places, you cannot get your hands on a Bible. But we can. Uh, the Bible, uh, is a little bit of history for you today. I'm going to give you a little bit of potted history of how the Bible came together uh, and uh, why it's really important to know that and why we should make the most of what we've got because not everyone's been able to have it in their hands for all this time. Uh, if any of you know, what was the Bible originally written in? Two languages? Hebrew and... No. Hebrew and Greek. Uh, so Aramaic was part of, there's parts of it, but not the original. The original was Greek. Uh, they didn't use Aramaic. Why? Specifically because it wasn't the language that was used across the board. So the Old Testament was done in Hebrew. The New Testament was done in Greek. So if you ever want to go back to the original, you've got to learn Hebrew and Greek, uh, which I did when I was at college, and don't ask me a question about it now. But uh, that's what they originally were. And back when Jesus was around, not long after Jesus was around, they started writing the life of Jesus down. And they wrote it in Greek, and they did that because the trade language across the world at that point in time was Greek. And the disciples probably spoke Greek. Now, they would have spoke Aramaic as well, Eric, are you correct? Because that was the language that they spoke in their local towns. But the language that was across the world at that point in time was Greek. So they spoke Greek, so it was written in Greek. Uh, and it wasn't until about 300 years later when it was translated into Latin. Uh, and Latin became the big language around the place because of what? Who knows? Romans. That's right. So here's a little bit of a lecture. It's more of a lecture, isn't it, than a sermon. Uh, but what happened was uh, the Romans uh, took over the world and because they took over the world, they decided that everyone had to know or everyone should do what the Romans do, not only in Rome but everywhere else. And uh, so they translated into Latin. Now the hard thing with that is though, even the Romans took over the world, not everyone was speaking Latin. Pretty much in everywhere other places of the world, they spoke their own languages. And so when the Bible was translated into Latin, it was only those who knew Latin that could read it. And that went on for over a thousand years. So pretty much for a thousand years, the Bible was only in Latin. And the odd little snippet around in Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and so pretty much most people in the world couldn't read it and didn't have an opportunity to read it. And over time, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, became the dominant form of Christianity throughout the world because of Rome, again, and went spread out. And so the only people who could actually read it were those that were trained, the priests, in Latin. Now think about that. What happens when only one group of people 
understands or can read the one thing. It gets skewed, doesn't it? Now, if one person has the only truth, in a sense, it's all held by one group of people in one power, things start to get skewed, and they did start to get skewed in a big way. And so that's when Martin Luther came in and said, look, guys, we need to get back to the original. We need to come back and have a look at what the Bible originally said. And so Martin Luther originally started to translate the Bible uh, so that people could read it. Uh, but the thing that made the huge difference in this change in the world was the Industrial Revolution. Who knows what that picture is of? Printing, printing press. The Gutenberg printing press. Uh, happened in about 1440 and it changed the world. Before that, people had to write things and copy things down all the time. And it took forever. Imagine trying to copy down something the size of the Bible in Latin and try and copy it out. Man, it takes people years to copy anything. So when the printing press came, the Gutenberg printing press, stuff just started to get printed. You know, it's not quite as easy as pushing the button on our printer today. Who remembers the old dot matrix printers? Yeah, go back there, guys. That was tra that transformed, didn't it? Remember the old Justetna? Oh, man, you used to get high on that stuff. Woo! Well, the Good and Print Printing Press was the start of that. Uh, and it, things started to get printed really quickly. Now, amazingly, in God's timing, 1440 is when this happened. Martin Luther is born mid-1400s. And then there's a guy by the name of William Tyndale, or Tyndale, who's born a little bit after Luther, but at this same period of time. And he grows up and starts to go and study to learn about being a priest or a minister. And anyway, as he's starting to do that, he starts to run small Bible studies with people, like times to read the Bible or talk about the Bible. Uh, because he was studying, he knew a little bit of Latin, so he was able to do it with them. But as he started to do it, he realised that 99% of the people out there didn't know what was in the Bible. And 99% of them had no idea how it all worked together. And none, none of them could actually read it. And even the ones who were supposed to read it didn't read it. And so uh, there's a really famous quote of William Tynale. It says this, uh, If God spares my life... I'll have to read it from here. I think I read that there. If God spare my life, ere many years, I'll cause a boy who drives a plough to know more of the scriptures than you do. And he was speaking to a Catholic priest that was in his local area, and he was saying, that was a pretty tough call, wasn't it, on him? He wants to put the Bible into a language so that the ordinary person on the street can read it. And that's what he did. For the rest of his life, pretty much, which is only pretty short, as you'll see, uh, 1536, there's a reason for that. We'll find out a little bit later. But basically, he, that was what he wanted to do. He then uh, translated uh, the Latin into English to try and bring it back so that they could do that. So that was the Vulgate, they used to call it. He translated that. But then uh, he went to the bishop of the time in England to say, can we print this? And the bishop basically said, you've got to be joking, mate. We're not doing that. And in the end, he Tyndale got himself into big trouble and so he had to escape. Uh, and he went to uh, Germany and guess who he met? Martin Luther. And so Martin Luther was there and Martin Luther was starting to translate the Bible but Martin Luther was starting to translate the Bible from something that blew the mind of everyone. He started to translate it from the Greek. He went back to the original. 
And that's why he nailed his 95 Thesis, because he said there's stuff in here that's not... You, you've added stuff here. One of the words particularly that uh, the Catholic Church at that point had changed around was the word metanoia. They changed that and they said that was called penance, but actually it's repentance, not penance. So when Jesus says, repent and believe, they were saying, do penance and believe. See how it changes it? So anyway, they brought it back and they got it back to the original. And so William Tyndale and Martin Luther were doing that. The Gutenberg printing press was coming. They were starting to print these off. They were starting to put Bibles together. And they were starting to take Bibles back into England. And guess what the bishops over there said? Not on my body, dead bodies. They're not going to do that. And so what they did, they made a decree that anyone who had a Bible that would have been brought in, the Bible would be burnt and so would you. That didn't stop it though. They kept coming, they kept coming in. And so what happened was uh, they banned it. uh, And the amazing thing of that meant that when they sent the Bibles over now, because they couldn't sell them and it was underground, they were given for free. So more people got them. Now, where did they get the money for that? Now, this is a really interesting story. So where they got the money from that was the bishop from England came over into Germany and where they were getting packed and getting ready to be sold and taken over. And he was buying up all the Bibles. So he was buying them all so they couldn't get into England. And so Tyndale and Luther were taking all the money and getting more and shoveling it in from another direction. So the bishop was paying to bring Bibles into England. What a way to go! So they're bringing them in and they reckon 15,000, which doesn't sound a lot today, but 15,000 Bibles translated from the original were going into England or went into England within six years. Now the really sad part about that, which I'll tell you in just a minute, but why did Tyndale, why did he do that? Why did he think this was so important to have the Bible? Now we're so blasé, we have it sitting in front of us now, it's there, put it on the screen, really easy to happen, but he's lost his home, he's gone over to do that. Why does he think that? What did Psalm 19 say? The Lord, the word of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Bible, in other words, take the word law out and put the Bible in there because that's how he fits all together, is perfect for reviving the soul. It revives the soul. It transforms the soul when we read God's word. Not only that is it's trustworthy, it makes us wise to live. It gives us joy in the heart and it gives us light to the eyes. It helps us see the world and understand the world. So that's why Tyndale was so desperate because he knew that. He'd experienced that. He'd seen it when he actually got back to the Bible and back to God's Word. It transformed his life. He knew that when he looked into that Word, who did he find? He found Jesus. He was taken to Jesus. You see, when you read the Bible, it all takes you to Jesus. It brings you to him. It shows you him because what does Jesus do? He brings us into a relationship with God and he shows us who God is. You see, in Jesus is where we get to understand what it is to know him and live for him. And our spiritual temperature rises when we know Jesus. And that's what the Bible does. It raises our spiritual temperature. Revives the soul, gives light to the eyes, gives wise to the simple. It shows us what salvation is. Look at verses 14 and 15. But in, uh, that was in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this one. It says, But as for you, continue what you've learned and have become convinced of, 
because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord in the Old Testament is to bring us to Jesus. The word in the New Testament is to show us who Jesus is. And the whole of it together is to bring us into a relationship with God and to know Him and to grow in Him and to be excited and live for Him and to raise our spiritual temperature towards Him. Why it's so important. That's where we're going to grow, isn't it? That's where our spiritual temperature is going to rise because when we read God's Word, the Bible, it's His Word to you. He's speaking directly to you. When you read that, He's speaking to you. Look at that, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And now when Paul's writing this to Timothy, he's speaking specifically about the Old Testament. But with the hindsight, with also the future knowing that there's going to be the New Testament come together, he knows that he's written this, he knows that what he's writing is God's word and he's going to say these two things together is God-breathed. Working through human beings, God works through human beings to write down his words to you and me. If you want to know God, you read his word. That's where he reveals himself to us. If you want to raise your spiritual temperature, read God's word. Uh, Karina was reading a book while we were away just for something unusual. And in it was a great book. We all come back after holidays. Karina and I, we've read this book. You should read this book. Uh, it was called Optimism and God. And uh, you start to read it and think, oh, this is just one of those self-help, new agey things. Uh, but it was really quite helpful. But when she read it, he said, the guy who was writing it was saying, people to me tell me they're not close to God. They're not, they don't feel that God's around them. And as he gets to speak to them, he, there's these four things that are missing. He notices. One or a couple of them have dropped out of it. Reading God's word, worshipping God, and gathering together and being on mission. And reading God's word is number one. Now I know some of us don't read well. I'm going to give you some help with that a little bit later. But so often don't we people say, I'm not feeling that relationship with God. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling that closeness. Well, are you reading the Bible? Are you reading God's word to you? Because it is his word to you. I think it's good, isn't it? We need to remind of that, don't we? Uh, I think it's good for us this morning to be reminded that what we have in front of us wasn't always in front of everyone. And still today, people don't have it in front of them. But yet sometimes we just take it for granted. You see, William Tyndale continued on trying to translate the Bible and getting it into England and throughout Europe. But at one point in time, he got betrayed. And so some guys came and got him and took him back to England. And he stood trial before Henry VIII and the bishops and all those that were there at the time. And they basically strangled him and burnt him alive. He died. He died for God's word 
to be in the hands of everyday people. And this is what he said at the end. These are recorded his very last words he said. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Because if you can open the King of England's eyes, it's mean that the Bible can get out and go. Now this is Henry VIII. Now a little bit of his story. Uh, some of it's a bit, uh, I think, fictitious. But uh, Henry VIII, this is back in 1936, I think it was, when William Tyndale said this. Guess what happens four years later? William Tyndale was executed by Henry VIII on 1536 in translating the Bible into English. Within four years of his death, Henry VIII had ordered four English translations of the Bible for himself and then open it up to England. Now, I think Henry VIII had the idea he wanted to marry another woman and get the divorce go through. There might have been something going on underneath there for him, but God answered the prayer, didn't he? William Tyndale. He's been murdered for the fact he wanted to get English Bibles into it. And then next minute, four years later, it's open slather. It's phenomenal, isn't it? What a story. How good is God that he does that? But that's what people have done. And people have done that throughout history to get God's word into the hands of people so that they can read it in their language. And that's why we should never, ever get upset when someone brings out a translation that's in the language of the people today. There are people out there today who will tell you you can only have one particular version of the Bible. That was not what William Tyndale was on about. That was not what Martin Luther was on about. They were on about what? Getting the Bible into the hands of the everyday person so that they could read it in their own language and understand it. And we need to keep doing that today. Language changes, doesn't it? The truth of the Bible doesn't change. We still need to translate it from the Greek and the Hebrew, not from the King James, not from the New Living Translation. We need to translate it from the Greek and the Hebrew into the language of today. We need to keep doing that because it changes. I don't understand some of the kids' language today. Do you? No, we're going, what? They need to go back and use these and thous. No, they don't, do they? Okay. So we should never get hung up on that, guys. That's just a little sidelight. But we need to get hung up on the Bible because that's God's word to you and I so that we can come to know God, so we can understand our relationship with him, so we can know Jesus and it's all about him. And that revives our soul, gives light to our eyes, shows us how to live so that we can do every good work that God's got planned for us to do. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that's what God's word is. It's his word to you. And sometimes we just need help, don't we? Sometimes we just need help. Sometimes we get up and we think, that Bible, I'm going to... Okay, I'm just going to read it because I have to. Don't get, we, we all go through that. There are times when we, we need help in reading the Bible. The spice, like I say, uh, variety is the spice of life, and I think God's designed us that way, so maybe there are some times we need to do things a little bit differently. So I'm going to quickly run through some ways uh, to give you help uh, for that. And uh, you can pick the eyes out of this, jot down the things that you think will be really helpful for you. Uh, and if you want to know more, just ask me at the end. A couple of hells for you. Uh, daily devotional stuff. Something you can pick up 
read a bit of the Bible and then someone gives you a little explanation about it. This, I reckon, is one of the best ones out there. It's very simple. It's very easy. It's called Our Daily Bread. Uh, you'll see other ones that are similar to that uh, by an organisation called RBC. They'll give them to you free. I'll put you in contact. You can just write to them. They'll send them to you. Uh, they'll give them to you free. Very simple, very easy, but really helpful. Uh, this is a new one that's out at the moment, that, uh, and you can find lots of different ones out there. But these guys are really good guys, uh, and they've got a whole lot of them, Timothy Keller and Richard Coakin. Uh, and they just give you the passage, and then a half back and side page where you just have a quick look through, you can think it through, and just helps you get into the Bible. Daily Devotions. This one is uh, something if you want to go uh, for a little bit longer or spend more time, if you can find some space. At our camp on the weekend, I handed out one of these uh, on the Sunday morning. Uh, this book's called The Resting Place. It's got about nine uh, like chapters, and you can take them away and do a li little, your own little retreat with them. You can take it and do it over an half an hour, an hour, half a day, or a day even, if you wanted to. But they are really helpful. She just leads you through something. She takes you, gives you a bit of an explanation, a bit of a story, takes you into scripture, makes you look at nature, gets you to think about a song, gets you to think about... goes through all these things. It just really helps you get into God's word and rest in him. It's called Resting Place. Uh, journaling. Uh, great option. I do this when I'm, when I'm doing it well. <laughs> I just grab a little exercise book 30 cents from the local store, open up on one page per day, and I journal. Uh, and I use this option. Who's heard of this one? It's called SOAP. I write S-O-A-P down the side of the page. S is scripture. You write what part of the Bible you read. And normally what I do is I work through a book of the Bible. I'll start at chapter 1, read one chapter, and then the next day, the next chapter, or as far as I can get in each part. Uh, observation, oh, you just write down, oh, what did I note there? What's some of the stuff that came out as I read that and looked at it? A is application, how do I apply that into my life today? And then P is prayer, I pray. And I pray for things that came out of the Bible that I read, and then I pray for people. Okay? So that's one way of doing it. So it's really easy to remember. It talks about getting yourself clean, get you cleaned up with God. That's just one way of putting it, isn't it? It's a great little option. I do that daily and just write those down and go through them. And I'll tell you, I'll probably get five a week, best option. Okay? Uh, I don't get seven days a week, definitely not Sunday mornings, uh, and sad days don't often happen either. But five days a week, I'm, I'm really happy if I can get into that five days a week. Okay? There's another one people use, same sort of option, Re reap. So you read, uh, examine, apply and pray. So very similar, just a different way of thinking about it. And if you go to that website, redeemercommunity.com, reap, they've got some really good stuff of just putting that into a more, a uh, bit better outline for you. Okay? So, daily devotionals you can read, journaling can be really helpful. Apps, this is the language of today. All right, apps. Uh, there's multitudes of them, they're out there everywhere. There's all sorts of ones. This is one that Karina and I have found pretty helpful. Uh, it's word for you today. Now, when we are racing, uh, at breakfast, we'll sit down and we'll hit it. It goes for about a minute 30. You get a little snippet, a bit of the Bible, a bit of explanation, and then you can take some time and pray. Sometimes they are way off beam. Okay? 
Sometimes you go, what on earth was that guy smoking when he wrote that? You think, where did that come from? It's just bizarre. But a lot of time it's really good. Okay? So remember in all these things I'm showing you, they're not, if it's not God's word, they're people. They don't always get it right. Okay? Like me up the front, I don't always get it right. I'm still learning, we're still working through things. So when you grab these things, just remember that, okay? Don't take them as God's word. Remember, it's God's word. They need to feed you into God's word. So word for your day, very simple. Download it, put it on your phone, click it. It happens very quickly. Uh, There's another one called Version the Bible. It's a great little app. Brode Alexon used this this year or last year, Brode? A couple of years ago. Man, it's gone so quickly. Uh, And on this one, you can actually do a a plan that will take you through the Bible in a year. And they'll even read it to you which is even better. So you can use it in the car. So you can have the, they can have the Bible reading to you. Brode used it when he had to go to casino lots. Maybe I don't mind him using your Brode. Um, but he would listen to it as he went to casino. 45 minute drive, 45 minutes of the Bible. He's able to read it. I think he almost got through the Bible in a year. He did good. It's great. So that's another one. Great app. On that app, you'll find there's a number of other things you can do on that. But that's just one that helps you get through the Bible in a year. It's an app. This one I want you to take note of. It's called Read Scripture App. And this Read Scripture App, again, does a similar thing. And we're going to be encouraging you to do this next year. As a session, as our elders, we're going to be talking about a little bit more uh, on how we're going to encourage you to do that. But this one is a great one. Uh, Really encouraging. It ties in with both video clips, background information, and gets you into the Bible as well. It uses... um, What's the group they use? Where's it go to? The Bible Project, which uh, we've used occasionally for their little clips that give you overviews of, the, of different parts of the Bible. And then you can read it after that. It's excellent. We're gonna be, I'll be telling you more about that one into next year, okay? Uh, but it's called Read Scripture App. There's the apps, all right? We're on the cutting edge. We're right there now, all right? Uh, and then you can do the, the ones that will take you the whole year in a Bible. The other one we mentioned is a reading plan. It's called For the Love of God. This is a good one by Don Carson. He goes through Murray McShane's reading plan and uh, he'll give you a page of explanation. If you want to read Don Carson though, get ready to have a dictionary with you. Okay? He's really good, but he loves to throw in words that you've never heard of before. But really helpful. I know that might turn you off, but really helpful if you want to get dig into it really hard uh, and the one year chronological Bible, I don't know if you've ever done this before but Benjamin and I, Benny Weeks and I did this together a couple of years ago uh, it actually takes all the books of the Bible and then puts it in chronological order and so you run through so the Bible that we have with us isn't ultimately in chronological order, though Genesis and Revelation is probably bookends and you've got the New Testament and Old Testament so there's some chronolo- chronolo- chronology in there uh, but some of the books are they're pieced together like the Psalms and uh, uh, Proverbs and all those sort of things are sometimes put in there just because that's where they were when they were written, not because of time frame, but because they're the same type of writing. Okay? So this puts it in an order and you can actually read from beginning to end. That's a hard slog. It's a long slog, but a good slog. Okay? So another option for you. Read the Bible with somebody else. It's hard by ourselves, isn't it, sometimes? You know, sometimes we talk about reading the Bible and all those other things I've given you are stuff that you can do by yourself. 
But sometimes we think it's more holy to do it by yourself. It's not more holy to do it by yourself. Actually, sometimes it's a lot harder to do it by yourself. Sometimes it's good to do it with someone else, isn't it? So we've been encouraging you this year, haven't we, to read the Bible and read it with someone else. So that's why we encourage you to be here on Sundays. Because we get into the Bible together. That's why we encourage you to be in our gospel communities during the week. Because we get into the Bible together. That's why I encourage you at any time when you gather together with someone to have the week, just open up the Bible together. Read it with them. Get into the Bible together. It's helpful that way. There's someone you might know who might be really interested in the Bible and you think, well, well, just read the Bible with them. Don't get too complicated. You don't have to try and work out this amazing plan. Just open up the Bible with them and read it with them. Because it's God's Word. Remember that? It's not your wisdom. It's His wisdom. It's not your insight. It's His insight. God's word is the one that will change and transform people, not just because you've got a great argument or you look fantastic or wear a great shirt like this. There's a bit of a story behind that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, that's not it. Okay? It's getting into the Bible with someone. Uh, this is something that uh, Les has just come across that I looked at just recently and it's excellent. It's really good. If you want to read the Bible with someone, the book of Mark is a great part of the Bible to look with and start with and this guy will help you do it. So what you can do is you can sit down with somebody, get onto the epic story. This guy, Dave Myers, he's an Australian bloke. Woohoo! Great to have an Australian voice out there. And he'll do an intro to the Bible, intro to the Mark with you, take you in, then you'll read the Bible and then he's got little thing clips that will help you go through that. You'll do that over a number of weeks and you just read the Bible with someone and he helps you with that. So you can just sit down with someone. It's a great way to go through it with someone who's investigating, thinking about it, helps you get into it with them, and you don't have to have all the brains. You just need to sit there and listen to it with them. Great option. It's only very new. We've only just found out about it. Raising your spiritual temperature. There you go. Read God's Word. That's ultimately it, isn't it? That's the very first and foremost. If we can start doing that, if we can get into it ourselves, get into it with others, encourage others in that, then God will raise our temperature because it's his word to you. People have died for it. People desire it. Because it's where God reveals himself to us. It revives our soul gives light to our eyes, shows us the way that we live and takes us to Jesus who is the one ultimately who revives us for all eternity. How about we get into it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for your word. Well, we thank you that in it is you speaking to us, is you revealing yourself to us, it is you showing us how much you love us and how much you desire to be in relationship with us. It is in it that we find out that it is Jesus that is the core of it all. That Jesus is the one that brings us into relationship with you, Lord, and it's Jesus that will keep us there and Jesus that will transform us by his spirit within us, Lord. And it's Jesus that wants us to get into his word, your word to us, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray that we'll go away from here being encouraged by the story of William Tyndale, that we'll be away from here being ignited and alight because of your word and what we've read in it. And that we'll go away uh, with the help that we've had 
And Lord, we won't just file that away and not think about it again, but Lord, we'll grab your Bible and we'll read it. Lord, in it, your spirit speaks to us and drives us into our hearts and transforms us. Lord, encourage us in that. Encourage each other to encourage each other in it, Lord, so that we read your word to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.